Chapter Two of Secret History Revealed by Lady Peggy O'Malley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Secret History Revealed by Lady Peggy O'Malley by Charles Norris Williamson and Alice Muriel Williamson. Chapter Two. The first thing we did when we were in the taxicab was introduce ourselves to each other i told him that i was marguerite o'malley but that as i wasn't a bit like a marguerite or even a common or garden daisy i degenerated into peggy i didn't drag in anything about my family tree it seemed unnecessary he told me that he was eagleston march but that he had degenerated into eagle i thought this nickname suited his aquiline nose his brilliant eyes and that eager alert look he had of being alive in every nerve and fibre he told me too that he was a captain in the american army over in england for the first time on leave but before he got so far i knew very well who he was for i'd read about him days ago in father's times why you're the first american who's looped the loop at hendon i cried out you invented some stability thing or other to put on a monoplane he laughed some stability thing or other's a neat description but you're right i'm the american fellow that the loop has looped now i know said i why you're not at the derby today horses at their fastest must seem slow to a flying man this time you're not right he corrected me i'm not at the derby because it isn't much fun seeing a race when you don't know anything about the horses and haven't a pal to go with but you must have lots of pals i thought out loud every one adores the airmen do they i haven't noticed it then you can't be conceited perhaps american men aren't i never knew one before except in business good heavens so you really are a business woman as well as a linguist apparently at what age did you begin what age do you take me for now i hedged about twelve or thirteen i suppose though i'm not a judge of girls ages whether they're little or big i'm over twelve i confessed and went on hastily to change the dangerous subject but i really did have business with an american it was in letters my father made me write them though they were signed with his name he hates writing letters i'm so thankful your name isn't trowbridge i hope you aren't related to any trowbridges not any but why oh because if you were you might want to throw me to the wolves i mean under the motor buses we've done the trowbridges of chicago a fearful thing we let them our place in ireland while we came to london to enjoy ourselves he laughed aloud that very nice young laugh of his which made me feel more at home with him than with people i've known all my life you really are a quaint little woman he said now i come to think of it i do know some people in chicago named trowbridge oh well said i if you must throw me out of anything do it out of your monoplane it would be so much more distinguished than out of a mere taxi and at least i should have flown first for you would have taken me up 
before you could dash me down and so my dream would have come true is it your dream to fly he asked interested waking and sleeping said i ever since i was a tiny child my very best dream has been that i was flying even to dream it asleep is perfectly wonderful and thrilling worth being born for just to feel what must it be when you're actually awake you're an enthusiast said captain march you've got it in your blood what a pity you're not a boy you could be a flying man yourself well it's something to no one said i why i'd give my hand the left one or anyhow a finger of it for just an hour in the air a toe would be too cheap i'd take you up like a shot if your people would let you go said he i gasped with joy <gasps> oh would you i exclaimed really and truly i didn't mean to hint but it would be heaven to go not in my golden eagle he laughed for i'd guarantee to bring you safe and sound back to earth again this side of heaven i can take up one passenger though i haven't yet since i came out here i haven't met anybody till now i particularly cared to ask and who would particularly have cared to go and you would care to take me how kind of you kind to myself i told you i haven't any pals in england you seem to be the stuff they're made of you'd be a mascot i'm sure but your people people i haven't any at least a governess i once had said you couldn't call two people they must be spoken of as persons i have only persons who belong to me just father and a grown-up sister a half-sister they like each other so much that they haven't room to care about me if the golden eagle tipped me out and smashed me as flat as a paper doll they wouldn't shed a tear poor little child but maybe you're mistaken maybe you are not conceited yes i am that's why i notice when i'm not loved oh do take me up take me up to-day i'm all alone in the world my persons have gone to the derby and are staying all night at epsom with a fat rich family i'm left to the mercy of the landlady in our lodgings i'll even give up the dress at selfridges to go with you that's more than sacrificing a toe but he had stopped laughing instead he had turned quite grave i couldn't possibly do it he said i'm awfully sorry to refuse if you were older you'd understand that it wouldn't be the right thing for a strange man and a foreigner to kidnap a little girl and fly off with her into space supposing i had an accident i'm sure i shouldn't but just supposing i should never be able to forgive myself don't despair though if you can manage to introduce me as a respectable sort of chap to your father and he gives his permission but how did i get to know you i groaned i shall have to fib no you won't he said quickly i refuse to be fibbed about you must think of some other way i'm afraid i said dolefully you agree with that hateful curiosity man about me agree with him i don't understand that i'm a pert minx or something that's what he called me or a pert piece it's all the same and i am it i don't mind telling fibs i've told lots you poor little thing exclaimed captain march in a pitying tone but with a kind of pity the proudest person wouldn't resent because it really came from his heart 
you seem to have had to fight your own battles maybe your mother died when you were very young when i was a week young i said and suddenly i felt myself choked up that explains the telling of fibs you see and saying you don't mind though i'm sure you do when you stop to think of it because the sort of girl who can be a good pal to a man just can't tell fibs any more than a man can if he's worth being a pal to two boiling hot tears ran down my face one on each cheek i couldn't answer i only looked up at him feeling all eyes what a beast i am he exclaimed i've made you cry it's i who am the beast i managed to gasp out because i saw he was badly distressed about me and what he had done i'm crying because i'm a little beast but i'd like not to be you're not you're a little soldier will you forgive me i didn't mean to preach you didn't preach i expect you'd talk like that to a real soldier one of those you're captain of well i'll pretend i'm one of those soldiers and that you're my captain as i spoke the taxi was drawing up in front of his hotel but i went straight on with my play and gave him a military salute thank you captain said i for taking an interest i shan't forget no more fibs i'll work for my corporal stripe good child he beamed on me looking young and happy again i'll get you the stripe i have it ready for you upstairs i'll bring it down when i bring the money for the lace scarf would you rather wait in the taxi or will you come up into the ladies parlor in the hotel i thought parlor a lovely word and very french though i supposed it might be american too it was quite an adventure going into a hotel my captain already i'd begun to think of him as that since he'd called me a soldier paid the chauffeur and led me to a big drawing-room where several women sat so prettily dressed and so trim that they made me feel shabby in my brown holland frock and my blown-about hair i wondered what he meant by saying he would bring me a corporal stripe and whether he had meant anything at all except a passing joke somehow i felt that he had a definite idea but i didn't dream it would be anything half so fascinating as it turned out he was not gone more than five or six minutes and when he appeared again he drew up a chair in front of me deliberately turning his back to the other occupants of the room so that they could not see what was going on then he made me hold out my hands i was ashamed of my untidy gloves and receive in them ten golden sovereigns which he counted as they dropped into my open palms i hope you'll never regret bartering away your great-great-grandmother's beautiful lace for this pittance said he and now for the corporal stripe if you're going to enlist in my regiment i am i cried i've enlisted in it already here then and he took from his coat pocket a little crumpled up ball of something black and gold evidently thrust in with haste this is one of the chevrons i wore on my sleeve when i was made corporal of cadets at west point eleven years ago this very month you'll laugh i guess when i tell you why i brought the thing with me over here i kept it out of a sort of of sentiment of sentimentality maybe because i was so dashed and proud when i got it i thought it marked an epoch in my life that it was a token of success 
well when i was coming over to your side of the water to try out the golden eagle among all the english flyers i was silly enough to think if she did any good i'd stick this poor old stripe on her somewhere for old Angsine. now i'd rather give it to you little soldier i think it was at that minute i began to worship him i worshipped him as a child worships and as a woman worships too except that perhaps when a woman lets herself go with a flood of love for a man she unconsciously expects some return i'm sure i didn't expect anything that would have been too ridiculous i felt rather guilty about depriving the golden eagle of her master's trophy but after all a girl is more appreciative than a monoplane and besides it would have hurt captain march's feelings in that mood of his if i'd refused i had a conviction that a corporal stripe given as a reward and an incentive would be to me a talisman i decided that i'd keep it in a place where i could rush to look at it whenever i needed encouragement to go on being a soldier if i wanted to sneak myself out of trouble with a fib or be snappish to father or cattish to die or say damn or bang a door in a rage it seemed to me that i should only have to think of that little triangle of black cloth and gilt braid to be suddenly as good as gold all the way through to my heart maybe i showed some of these thoughts in my eyes when i thanked captain march dice says my eyes tell all my secrets for he was nicer than ever in the chivalrous almost tender way some men have with girl children he said he was just as lonely as i was or worse because he hadn't a soul who belonged to him in england and would it be quite proper and all right for an old soldier like him to invite a little girl like me to lunch of course i said yes yes it would be entirely proper and perfectly splendid though they might have forgotten to put anything of the sort into books of etiquette by that time it was half-past twelve only a few minutes left to dash to selfridge's and rescue the dress if it wasn't already lost before luncheon so captain march offered to whisk me up to the shop in a taxi he promised if the gown was gone that he'd help me to choose another but it wasn't gone which showed that as i'd felt in my bones it really had been born for me why it's a party dress isn't it my captain innocently wanted to know and isn't it a bit too old for you i can have it made shorter i said and if it is a little too old for me it doesn't matter because i'm never invited to any parties i shan't be for years if ever i shan't come out like my sister die i shall just slowly leak out with nobody noticing it isn't that i expect to wear this frock it's the joy of having it which is so important girls begin to be queer evidently even when they're children said he but that doesn't make them less interesting i know of an invitation to a party you could have though if you wanted it the wife of our american ambassador is giving a ball tomorrow night i know her a little she'd be awfully pleased to send your people cards for the show if i asked her or perhaps they've had cards already i shook my head i'm sure they haven't are you going yes i've accepted i know diana would love it i'll tell her about you and about today for she can't be cross with me if it ends in an invitation 
and you'd be her first flying man even as i spoke i had a misgiving it came like a cramp in my heart di's nickname seemed to whisper itself in my ear diana the huntress diana the huntress i didn't want her to shoot her arrow through this man's heart because well just because but they would have to meet if he were not to be lost to me since he refused to be a partner in fibs the idea seemed exactly the chance i had been looking for and if the invitation came through me provided i were included by the ambassadress i didn't see how di and father could leave me out all right you shall have the card i can promise that my captain said cheerily but i haggled will the ambassadress ask a a little girl like me who isn't out yet of course she will i'll see to that why shouldn't a little girl go for once here's one partner for her to dance in the white dress with him the thing must be too good to be true yet it really did seem as if it might come true he let me select the place for luncheon and i chose the zoo he said i couldn't have chosen better it wasn't a very grand meal but it was the happiest i'd ever had captain march told me things about america and aeroplanes though very little about himself except that he was stationed at a beautiful place in arizona called fort alvarado close to the springs of the same name where girls came and had the time of their lives afterward we wandered about and made love to the zoo animals and at last saw them feed when the lions and tigers had finished their glorious roaring which seemed to bring the desert and the jungle near it was almost five o'clock so we had tea at the crescent-shaped tea-house in front of the mappin terraces i lingered over my strawberries as long as i decently could because though i searched hard for it there seemed to be no bored look on captain march's face when i did reluctantly say i'd suppose i'd better go home he actually had an air of being sorry it's been the nicest day i ever lived in i told him i've enjoyed every minute of it too said he what a pity we can't polish it off with a dinner and the theatre look here if you'd like it miss peggy i guess i can get that old lady i told you of who's sailing to-morrow and will take the lace scarf to go with us as chaperone what do you say what could i say being a child it didn't matter showing the wildest delight there were some advantages in being a child he took me home to our lodgings in chapel street which cheaply gave us the address of mayfair and then i had to break it to him that i wasn't a miss good gracious he exclaimed when i began with those words children don't marry in your country at thirteen do they i explained that because my father happened to be an earl his daughters had a courtesy title and when he looked a little shocked as if he were wondering whether he had been indiscreet i nodded toward the house as our taxicab stopped before the insignificant green door you see by where we live how unimportant we are i excused myself in such a pleading voice that he laughed then he flashed away to make arrangements for the evening our evening 
the landlady had a telephone and presently i got the message which captain march had told me to expect mrs jewett had consented to dine and go to the theatre would i like the savoy and to see milestones afterward and was i sure this business wouldn't get me into trouble tomorrow if it had sent me into a penal servitude for life i shouldn't have hesitated but i replied that my sister would forgive me for the sake of the american embassy ball i knew di could be counted on in the exceptional circumstances not to tell father but i didn't mention that detail to captain march i was afraid he might think the corporal's stripe had been ill bestowed but one must draw the straight line of truth somewhere end of chapter two recording by john brandon